0: listening to Inside Healthy Teams by Apricot Consulting, a series that draws on the experience of experts to unearth the principles of personal and team leadership. For more information, go to apricotconsulting.us. Welcome to
1: Inside Healthy Teams from Apricot Consulting, revealing conversations with execs designed to provide leaders practical insights in building healthy organizations for the future. I'm your host, James Natsis, Chief Operations Officer at Apricot Consulting. I'm joined here today by Michael Kilgarriff, Roads Australia CEO. Roads Australia is the peak body for roads within Australia's integrated transport system. Thanks for joining us today, Michael.
0: Yeah, great pleasure to be with you, James.
1: Great to have you. Uh, our topic of discussion today is on reshaping your business and your operating model, uh, a timely topic in light of COVID-19 and undoubtedly one that a lot of execs uh, are right now having to navigate. Michael, perhaps tell us a little bit about your role at Roads Australia and who a Roads Australia is.
0: Sure. Um, so I'm, as you indicated, I'm the CEO of Roads Australia and uh, Roads Australia is an industry association that um, uh, that is the peak body for roads within an integrated transport system. Um, so our role really is to bring industry, government, communities together uh, to lead the evolution of Australia's integrated transport systems and mobility networks. So Roads Australia is, uh, I guess, a bit of a different organisation in that uh, we also have uh, all of our road agencies as members and some of the CEOs of those agencies are also represented on the board. So while we are an industry association, um, we really bring industry and government together in a forum where we can have, I guess, um, open discussion about the future of our transport networks uh, and also take a leading role in sometimes having those discussions that governments and industry might find difficult on their own to tackle and uh, drive debate in the community.
1: Sounds like a pretty critical role, given all that's happening right now as well, and, and even more critical.
0: Yeah, well, look, um, of course, the COVID-19 crisis is really pose some interesting um, issues for the industry. Uh, Now, while we're a roads um, organisation, we also have a very, very big focus on public transport, which is obviously part of the integrated transport system and an important part of mobility. Um, And, of course, um, with the evolution of connected and automated vehicles and um, other mobility um, uh, issues. It's going to be interesting on the other side of this, the extent to which people are prepared to, I guess, get into vehicles with people they don't know, uh, get into packed trains, uh, what sort of impact that will have on our road networks, uh, the extent to which pressure will build to start getting more projects, um, underway. It's, we're really expecting that, uh, the other side of COVID-19 is not a mirror image of what it was before. It's it is definitely going to be different.
1: Yeah, let's touch base on that a little bit further, I'll drill down on that shortly. But going back to your own context as CEO, how have you managed yourself through COVID and connected to that by extension to your staff?
0: Yeah, look, that's been a very very interesting question because uh, when I came into this role two years ago. Um, And I do have uh, quite a younger staff, not all, but many uh, might fit the mould of what we call uh, millennials. And uh, I was quite interested to note the extent to which they were very focused on the working from home issue. Um, And look, I've never been a great uh, supporter of staff working from home. It's not so much the trust factor of whether they're working or not. It's just that I think staff tend to work better when they're in a community and they can talk to each other over what we call the water cooler conversations. And of course, um, working from home was forced on us. And in fact, uh, apart from the fact that I see my staff through a video uh, conference three times a week, we haven't really seen each other now for about seven weeks. And I think uh, even from my own personal perspective, I think that certainly does drive a number of different um, behaviours. One is that obviously people start to feel that they're a bit out of the loop. Um, people start to uh, feel, um, you know, what, what what has been referred to as, as cabin fever where they get quite anxious about, um, you know, working from home in isolation from other people. So, I mean, the interesting thing really has been to still keep the team culture going, even though we're not really actually working with each other on a day-to-day basis. And as I said, haven't really seen each other for seven weeks. So um, that's, that's been interesting and also a challenge to make sure that people still stay motivated. They still have belief in the organization. They still have an understanding of what their role is, and taking into account, of course, that our entire operational model has significantly shifted. We really had to pivot at the beginning of this uh, this crisis to move from very much a face-to-face networking model with our members where now we're really doing it over, um, over various AV mediums like Zoom or Teams, uh, where we're having um, events, say, with 30 people as opposed to, say, an event we're having next week with uh, the Minister from New South Wales for over 300. Um, So it's posed a number of significant issues, and I suspect that the way the team functioned at the beginning of this will not be the same as the way the team functions at the end of it. And, of course, I'm looking forward to getting everybody together uh, on the other side of this to have a discussion among ourselves about what did we like, what worked, what didn't, and what, what sort of things would the team like to see in future around how we work?
1: Yeah, sounds interesting. We'll draw down that out a little bit later just in terms of some of the cultural components, but uh, clearly I think a lot of industries are saying the same thing right at the moment, which is things will never be the same moving forward, but there's opportunities in that. And wh- I guess one of the questions to you, Michael, is obviously one of the imprimaturs being given by the government is to continue to drive the economy through infrastructure, infrastructure and spending, uh, an industry that you're very connected to, particularly in this space of roads. Uh, are there any developments in that industry that you're looking at now and you're thinking that you're quite excited about, um, particularly that listeners may or may not be aware of?
0: Yeah, um, absolutely. Of course, um, you would know that in, under normal circumstances, this week the uh, federal government would have handed down their budget. Um, Now instead of that They handed down an economic statement That had some fairly sobering News in there in terms of um, The amount of uh, Employment rates um, Have gone down uh, Unemployed people that have been um, Laid off, industries that are Suffering quite significantly and will Take some time to Come back um, such as um, Tourism uh, Retail uh, Those sorts of industries They're the, the general expectation is that there's going to be a very long tail in terms of the recovery. Conversely, um, KPMG put out a report um, to coincide with the release of the economic statement. And one of the conclusions that KPMG came up with, which I fully agree with and support, is that the transport infrastructure industry, which is the industry that Roads Australia represents, will in fact be busier at the end of end of this year than what we were at the beginning. And the reason for that is a number of reasons. One is that under normal circumstances, there would have been a number of contracts coming out now where we would expect work to be underway by the end of the year. But also the federal and state governments have identified this industry as one where we can get very, very quick economic stimulus underway where people can be employed Uh, We can pick up people that have been redeployed out of other industries. And so a number of smaller uh, road and um, transport-related infrastructure projects are now being developed and pushed out the door by um, the state and federal governments. Again, as I said, because it's an economic stimulus measure. So, in fact, what will this industry look like on the other side of COVID-19? It will be busy.
1: That's an apt... Uh, description to the point yeah. Well on certainly a lot going on something you touched on earlier was just in some of the related impacts of covid and what does it mean to the transport industry uber picking people up dropping people off the covid safe parameters around that what are you hearing from your partners in across roads australia uh, around some of the pivoting that's happening with their own business models. Clearly, there's a lot of work that's going to come up, and to quote you, we're going to be busier at the end than we were at the start. Uh, drawing back on KPMG's insights, uh, what are some of the things that you're hearing from within your partner base around where the pivoting is occurring around their business models?
0: Mm. That interest that is very very interesting because because of our focus around. The transport network, um, we have a big interest in how roads work with public transport, um, with freight, uh, and the role of roads, basically, in facilitating the connections to other um, transport modes. So we have a very, very big interest in what is going to be the role of connected and automated vehicles in the future, um, the role of of, uh, services such as Uber, in terms of that last mile connection between, so public transport points to home and back, um, and one of the big issues, of course, is that we've had a very very big focus on encouraging the use of public transport because the reality is is that if everybody had a car that had a car, decided to walk to drive to work, uh, then our road system would not function in the way that it really. Uh, should when it's working optimally. Op- optimally, So um, we have had a big focus on public transport in the past. Now, if in fact the outcome of the COVID-19 crisis is that people are quite fearful of actually getting into trains, Ubers, um, share rides, all of those sort of things with people that they don't know and they start getting in their car, driving to work in the morning... Well, that's just going to mean that at the end of this year, we're going to have traffic congestion that would far surpass anything that we've seen before. Um, And so we're going to have to deal with that. And of course, transport infrastructure can't be just planned and built overnight. So some of the things that may happen as a result of this, are, for example, um, staggered uh, work times where people actually come in earlier or or later and arrive and leave earlier or later. Um, we may also see a renewed focus by governments around issues like transport network pricing, um, congestion pricing perhaps around CBDs to limit the amount of traffic that we actually have coming in and out of the CBD. Um, those sorts of issues, I think, which have been a little bit on the back burner and have been quite politically... Difficult for governments to pick up and run with for obvious reasons, I think um, are going to be more widely discussed. And the old adage about uh, never waste a crisis uh, will apply more than ever to this industry in that there won't be, uh, I guess, an option of whether we should discuss it or not. Uh, the the debate will be live and it will be there because people's lives will be impacted by it. And so they'll expect organisations like Roads Australia and others and governments to be actually actively discussing ways that we can deal with the new norm. It
1: sounds like there's while well, there's challenges, there's certainly opportunities to reimagine uh, everything from how transport is, is enacted to the very real reality of right now yeah. is around courage and confidence around people yeah. uh, using things such as public transport uh, moving forward. Uh, just going back to Roads Australia internally, <coughs> uh, and you talked about some of the changes from being, a, in essence, an events <coughs> uh, organised, where you bring industry and government together to now have a remote delivery model. What are some of the things that you're seeing... Uh, are going to change forever, uh, assuming we go back to the world where there isn't a virus at some point and there's a vaccine hopefully. Um, do you see some of these things that are happening within Roads Australia and perhaps even to some of your partners that may change forever?
0: Yes, absolutely. And look, I suspect that we're certainly not alone there and of course, Uh, In terms of a crisis driving change, one of the things that has happened really globally is the fact that people are now using mediums such as the one we're on today to communicate uh, not only internally, but also externally with members, clients, uh, stakeholders. And I expect that uh, on the other side of this, we will be able to capitalise on the fact that people are now quite comfortable with this medium to hold some of those policy workshops to discuss those issues that I was talking about before around uh, transport network pricing, where we don't have to actually get everybody to get on a plane, fly to Melbourne or Sydney or wherever it might be, to have a discussion, provide them with lunch, and then everybody gets on a plane and goes home again. Um, So I think it's going to drive um, a different pattern of behaviour, not only in our industry but across all other industries, in terms of how people actually deal and interact with each other. Um, our organisation, as I've said earlier, um, really has relied on a lot of that face-to-face contact and networking. Um, and of course, we've always had that policy and thought leadership aspect to what we do, um, but I expect that on the other side of this, governments and industry are going to look to organisations like Roads Australia to actually drive some of that debate a little bit harder and take a leadership role in terms of saying to governments, industry, and the community, look, these are the issues that we need to be talking about to resolve some of the issues that we've currently got or may have coming at us over the horizon. So I I expect that that leadership role for my organisation, for Roads Australia, I expect that the expectation from governments and industry will be that Roads Australia steps up a little bit more in terms of driving some of those discussions that we need to have about how our integrated transport system works.
1: Yeah, certainly an opportunity there to be a thought leader and continue to be an influencer in the industry uh, mm. in the way that we do these things. And you touched on something, something quite quite obvious before, which is just how much travel we do within our own nation, let alone globally, on things that could be considered as things that you could cover off in a call mm. Uh with the old, old fashioned phone call or whether it be through a, through a, a virtual collaboration tool of some kind. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Something, you I'm, something I'm, And just, sorry Jones, I mean, just on that, I don't think we will ever really get away from the need to have that face-to-face contact. I mean, I think humans uh, have that innate desire to, um, I guess, mingle and, and have that face-to-face contact with each other that, will always be there and we'll always have to deal with it uh, but it doesn't it but I think we can bring to the table an extra dimension to that that will actually make so many other discussions that we need to have a lot more easier
1: uh, it actually brings me back to the, the the next question which is around something that you touched on earlier which was the distributed or remote working model and both the benefits of that Uh, but also the challenges of that and underpinning the success of that is obviously a pretty good culture. Uh, Mm -hmm. And notwithstanding your point, which is a very obvious point that we could do a lot of remote working. We could do a lot of virtual working. We could do a lot of virtual engagement, but nothing beats the rubbing shoulders, talking to people in a room environment where we're there fully present. Uh, And there's something intangible about that. That's hard to beat. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. what, Culture is obviously a key part, and we talk about some of the stuff that you mentioned earlier that trust was inherently part of the success, if you like, to seeing roads transition. What role have you seen uh, that culture has played, or a good culture has played, in enabling roads Australia to pivot as well as they have during this season?
0: Yeah, look, that that's an interesting question, of course. Everybody would be familiar with it. I think it was Drucker who came up with the saying that culture eats strategy for breakfast. I mean, I'm a great believer that an organisation needs to know why it exists, why are we here, what's our purpose. Um, and so I'm a great believer that any organisation needs to have a strategy that can be very very easily articulated by both the staff and the board. However, um as you said, there's a culture that needs to be in place that enables that strategy to be, uh, I guess, implemented. And so I, I think the, the the culture of Roads Australia, um, which is one where I think there, there was certainly a lot of trust. Um, the staff uh, very much enjoyed working with each other. Um, there was a fairly free exchange of ideas so people weren't afraid to voice views and opinions about how the organization was going um, and those were those were good values that the organization had and the, the, the culture had been built up to sustain those. Um, and I think that that actually was also part of the reason why we were able to pivot to this new way of doing business. Uh, where we were actually just communicating with each other by Zoom or Teams or by phone and still still sustain that um, sense of the Roads Australia team or, as my staff refer to it, the Roads Australia family. That's how they regard themselves. Um, and I think that was one of the strengths of the organisation that really enabled us to be able to pivot to the new way of doing business but keep that fundamental Uh, those fundamental values that made Roads Australia the organisation that it is.
1: Yeah, certainly a strong culture will uh, enable any organisation to pivot their operating and business models. Uh, Coming to the end of our podcast today, uh, Michael, and I guess we've got a number of execs that are likely to join us on, on these podcasts, what's one piece of advice you would give them as they think about what changes they must make? I guess looking at the short, medium and long term as they navigate COVID-19 and, in essence, the unknown.
0: Yeah. Yeah, look, like a lot of people, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts um, over the last couple of months um, as I've been walking around my suburb. Um, uh, and, look, I, to be frank, um, I'm always cautious about being one to give other people advice, but um, since you ask um I guess um, when I get my team back together, that uh, issue of uh, trust will be one that I'm seeking to capitalize on in the team, and that of course trust, I mean that in a two-way um, sense in in that I trust the team and the team have trust in me that um, you know that I'm doing what I need to do to make sure that, the organisation is headed in the, in the right direction and that they're a fundamental part of that. But it's also about um, not assuming that the way we do business is going to look exactly the same. And, of course, so the way the business will operate will, of course, um, have to be different. So at the risk of using a word that is often used in a you know, in all sorts of different ways. It's about just being agile and uh, not being, I guess, locked into a strategy or a business plan just because we spent months uh, putting it together. Um, It's really about, I guess, surveying the environment around you and just working out what you really need to do to capitalise on the opportunities that will come our way because it won't be all... It's going to be, you know, the economy is going to be quite bad for quite a few years to come, but out of it will come, out of this adversity will come some opportunities. So it's about making sure that we are capable of grasping those opportunities and turning them into an advantage for Rhodes Australia.
1: Mm, having a team structure that's dynamic and, mm. as you said, capitalising in the trust, you only ever run at the speed of trust, which is the Stephen Covey mm. line. Having that trust inherent in the culture is going to enable you to pivot and adapt moving forward. Thank you for your insights today, Michael. Some deep insights there. Thank you for what you're doing in the industry at the moment. Thanks also to to our listeners for joining us on Inside Healthy Teams. Apricot can help you build healthy organizations for the future. And if you enjoyed today's podcast and wish to check out our other episodes, please rate and subscribe today's podcast or visit via our website or social media channels. Just search for Apricot Consulting.
0: Thank you. Thanks, James. Thanks for listening to Inside Healthy Teams by Apricot Consulting. We hope you found it helpful and if you did, it would help us if you could rate and review this episode on your podcast platform and subscribe for more episodes. For more information, go to apricotconsulting.us.